For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, you're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of who? The rich and the super-duper successful. Why? So we can become the rich and the super-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, Confidence is something you create within yourself by believing in who you are. Let me repeat that. Confidence is something you create within yourself by believing in who you are. And the title of today's show is Build Your Confidence. That's right. We are going to be building our confidence today. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to remind you, if you want to go back and re-listen to this show or any of the previous shows, you can go to my website, www.powerhh.com, or you can search in Apple iTunes, and you can find me under the podcast section. Just do a search for Power and a Half Hour. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is Mark Starr. That's M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R. On Instagram, it's at Coach Mark Speaks. And we also have the Power and a Half Hour Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook and you'd like to be alerted as to when I put out new videos and whatnot, make sure you join that Power and a Half Hour Facebook group. For all my listeners in the United States, I have a daily message service that sends out an inspirational, motivational message every single morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sorry to all my West Coast listeners. To get those messages, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to 411247. That's text the letters BBD to 411247. And for those of you that have not had an opportunity to download my book, you can download it for free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right, we have an absolutely amazing show today, so let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Hiro Tanaka. Now, let me just stress the importance of as to why I do these profiles. There is so much that we can learn from these people because almost everyone that I profile, and I've profiled hundreds of people over the last two and a half years, every single one of these people started with little to no money. So there are so many jewels in the profiles. I'm not just not telling you guys these stories just to be telling you some story about some person that became successful. There is so much that we can learn. So make sure that you're paying really close attention to these profiles and listen out for the jewels. Listen out for the little golden nuggets as I tell these profiles because there's so much that we can learn that we can apply to what it is that we're doing and attain that same level of success. Let's go. Profile number one, Hiro Tanaka. Now, Hiro grew up in Osaka, Japan. One of Hiro's favorite foods growing up was a popular street food in Osaka called kushikatsu. Now, kushikatsu is battered meat and vegetables on a skewer, deep fried, and then dipped in sauce. Her father would spend hours 
hours perfecting his recipe when he wasn't working as a real estate agent. When Hiro was 21, her father passed away and she assumed that his recipe would be lost forever. After her father died, she went to school for literature but soon dropped out and started to do administrative work. During her free time, she would try to recreate her father's perfect kushikatsu, but she would continue to fail. In the late 1990s, she decided that she wanted to have a career in the food industry, and she took a job with Kiju Nuki, a bar manager in Osaka. Years went by, and Hiro continued to try to make her father's diss, but she still couldn't figure it out. She began to think that it wasn't as simple as she thought and that maybe she couldn't make it after all. Hiro's boss moved to Tokyo to open a high-end restaurant a few years later, and she moved to Tokyo as well to work in his restaurant. Then in 2008, when the global crisis hit, customers stopped going to the high-end restaurants that her boss owned. Her boss decided that he couldn't continue any longer and told her that he was shutting down his restaurants. Hiro wasn't willing to quit, and she even offered to borrow money for the business under her own name. After a while, Hiro accepted that it was time to pack up and go home. While she was packing, she came across a box of memos and mementos from her dad. Among those memos, she found her dad's kushikatsu recipe. Hiro and her boss weren't quite sure how the recipe would turn out, but they tried it anyway, and it ended up coming out just like her father would make. Hiro's boss became an instant fan of the dish and decided that he would make one last attempt to conquer the Tokyo restaurant scene. He found a small property in a quiet residential area outside central Tokyo where the rent was a little cheaper. He filled the kitchen with equipment from his old restaurant and whatever was missing he bought using an online auction website. Everyone warned him against opening the restaurant as they thought it was in a bad location and the place wouldn't attract people, but he went ahead and did it anyway. He named the restaurant Tanaka Kushikatsu after Hiro. The business was an instant success. People would line up to get in even at 1 a.m. in the morning. There would be so many bicycles outside that the neighbors would constantly complain. Hiro and her boss, with the success of the first restaurant, would go on to open a second and a third restaurant. Each one of the restaurants became very successful. When a rival kushikatsu restaurant opened in a trendy part of Tokyo, the two decided that it was time to turn their business into a franchise. They now have 146 restaurants across Japan, one in Hawaii, and they plan to open 40 more this year. Hiro was once a part-time employee is now vice president of a company that bears her name and has revenues of over $82 million a year. Hiro also owns 4% of the company, which has a valuation of over $3 million. So this lady went from being an assistant at a company to being worth over $3 million, owning 4% of the business. Now, this story is amazing to me because she was able to go from being, like I said, a part-time assistant at a company to vice president and part owner of the company just by finding a recipe that her dad left for her years after her dad left it for her. So there's something that you may have right now that you don't even realize that you have that can help take you to the next level. She thought that that recipe died when her dad died at age 21. 
She didn't find the recipe till over 10 or 15 years later. And that recipe ended up saving her job and helping to make her a millionaire as well as her boss. Profile number two, Steve Fendrich. Now, Steve grew up in Sioux Falls, North Dakota, and got an accounting degree from the University of South Dakota. While he was in school, he became friends with Harry Roberts and Paul Stork. The three men would go and work for Harry's brother-in-law, Jack, who owned the American Bed Company, which was a chain of mattress stores in Houston. This experience gave them the opportunity to learn the mattress business inside out. In 1983, Frank got the opportunity to run a store in Chicago. In 1985, he became the comptroller of the company and he moved to the company's headquarters in Houston. As he studied the company's financials, he saw that the company wasn't financially doing good and it had more money going out than it had coming in. That's usually not a good sign. In March of 1986, Steve left the company and soon after, Harry and Paul joined him. Later that year, American Bed filed for bankruptcy. The three young men were each 25 years old and they figured that they could do a better job at running their own company. They each would put up $5,000 to start their new business. Now, Harry had his $5,000. Paul borrowed the $5,000 from his mother and Steve borrowed the money from his grandmother. This was the beginning of Mattress Firm. The three men figured that they would each get their own stores eventually. Back then, mattress stores were often in rundown areas with tile or concrete floors and the mattresses still in the plastic. They persuaded a shopping center to give them some space and they opened their first store on July 4th, 1986. They put in carpeting and took the plastic off the floor models so customers could lie down on the actual product. They aim to offer a higher level of service and a better delivery system. And this is a great question that you can ask yourself. How can you change your industry? How can you change your industry? These guys worked for another company and learned, hey, you know what? There's some things that we can do better. Why don't we start our own business and do these things better? Now, the company they worked for ended up going under. Let's see how they ended up faring. At that time in Houston, it took 12 days for a mattress to be delivered from a department store. They offered customers same-day delivery. If they needed to, they would put a mattress on the top of their car and follow the customer home. The three men took a high-energy approach to selling a product that people hate to shop for. Each time they made a sale, they were so excited that they would call each other to explain how the sale happened. As they expanded and managed different stores, they became very competitive, striving to outsell each other. The three men didn't pay themselves for the first 14 to 15 months. You got some people that start a business and the first day they want to blow all the money that they make. These three guys did not pay themselves for 14 to 15 months. Their main objective was to pay their vendors and to pay their employees. They were so tight with money that in late 1986, when the brakes went out on Paul's car, he asked the company to loan him $400 to fix the brakes. The two other guys said no. Because Paul needed a car to get to work, Steve used his American Express to pay for the brake job with the hopes of getting the money back within 30 days so he could pay it off. 30 days later, they didn't have the money, and American Express told him to cut up his card. Now, they eventually paid the bill over time. But at this time, 
Steve still does not have an American Express card 30 years later, over 30 years later. During this time, they lived as cheap as possible. They couldn't afford a refrigerator or microwave, and since they had to be in the store from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., they couldn't go out for lunch. What they would do is pick up Lean Cuisine frozen dinners, and they would leave them on the dashboards of their cars. By noon, the containers would be so hot that you could barely touch them. Now, in late 1987, a year and a half after they opened their first store, they gave themselves their first paychecks of $300 a week. This is a year and a half later. At that time, the most expensive bed that they sold was $499. In 1988, Stearns & Foster, a higher-end mattress manufacturer, wanted to form a partnership with them so that they now changed their price point to well over $1,000. This move changed their entire company. By the late 1990s, close to 40% of their sales were Stearns and Foster's and Mattress Firm would become a high-end store. What the guys learned was that in order to sell a lot of $1,000 mattresses, they had to have $2,000 mattresses in the stores so people could tell what better beds feel like. Along the way, they also had failures and missteps. In 1990, they decided to sell living room furniture, but the merchandising and fashion part of it was beyond their expertise. They would go on to close the furniture store, and they got back to doing what they did best. Now, in 1999, they had more than 250 stores, and they were doing $300 million a year in annual sales. This is a company that three guys in their 20s started with $15,000, $5,000 each. Here it is. Less than 15 years later, these guys have over 250 stores and are making over $300 million a year. So they started getting a lot of offers to buy out their business. The three men were now in their 30s with young families, so they decided to take one of these offers that they received. Steve would go on to work as a consultant, and he then became the CEO of another mattress company. A few years later, the three men would go back and work with Mattress Firm, the company that they started. Steve became the chief strategy officer to help accelerate growth. Paul became head of the mattress pro chain. And Harry and his brother owned close to 40 stores as franchisees. Mattress Firm has over 3,500 locations and makes over $2.5 billion a year in revenue. Let's now take a look at some of the lessons that Steve teaches us. Number one. Engage people in the direction and strategy of the company, then give up control. You have to allow your people to lead, succeed, and fail so that they can learn from their mistakes and move on. Number two, surround yourself with people who balance your weaknesses. This is a very important one right here. Steve says that he was good at accounting and finance. Paul ran sales and operations. Harry was responsible for the marketing. The three men realized that they were better together than if they worked individually, and they embraced that. And number three, get the brutal facts from your sales staff. You need to know if you're selling the right product, if you have competitive pricing, and if advertising is working. You have to get intelligence from your frontline people. A lot of great lessons from that story. Those guys started their business with $15,000. But guess what? Before they started their business, they were working for somebody else. So they got an opportunity. That's why I tell people all the time, if you have a job right now, that's an opportunity, especially if you want to eventually start your own business. That's an opportunity for you to learn. 
See, when you're on your job and you're not working hard and just getting by, you're not getting over on the company. You're getting over on yourself because you need to be trying to learn everything that you can possibly learn so that when it's your time to start a business, you'll know everything that you need to know. You got an education for free. Matter of fact, you got paid for the education. That's the purpose of having a job if you have aspirations to start your own business. Learn all that you can. Take all the information that you learn and do your own thing, just like these three guys. And they went ahead and started a billion-dollar company, a company that became a billion-dollar company because they learned everything that they could possibly learn. Now, confidence is extremely important in every aspect of our lives, yet so many people struggle to find it. Unfortunately, this can become a vicious cycle. People who lack confidence can find it difficult to become successful, and because they aren't successful, they will continue to lack confidence. Fortunately, building confidence is a skill that we can learn and implement in our lives. Now, the level of confidence that we have can show up in many ways, in our behavior, in our body language, how we speak, and what we say. Before we begin building our confidence, let's take a look at a few questions that we can ask ourselves to help determine our level of confidence. How do we find answers? We find answers by asking ourselves some questions. So here are some really great questions to determine your level of confidence. Number one, do I have a history of being in destructive relationships? Really great question. Let me repeat this. Do I have a history of being in destructive relationships? Men and women with high self-esteem do not want to be with women and men that have low self-esteem, people that are super dependent and super jealous. Number two, do confident people threaten me? Confident people make less confident people feel as if the confident person is personally insulting them. Number three, do I treat others well? People with low self-esteem sometimes try to make themselves feel better by putting others down. Number four, do I expect others to treat me well? If you have high self-esteem, you expect to be treated with respect and you won't tolerate anything else. Ooh, this one is so good. Let me repeat it. Do I expect others to treat me well? If you have high self-esteem, you expect to be treated with respect and you won't tolerate anything else. Number five, do I seek demanding goals or do I prefer the comfort of the known? People with low self-esteem are weaker, less resilient, unable to cope, and unable to handle life's problems. And they remain convinced of the fact that they just can't handle life. They spend most of their time trying to avoid the pain and suffering of failure because they think if they come in contact with it, they'll be defeated. Number six, Am I motivated by fear? For example, being motivated by not getting yelled at by your boss versus being motivated by being praised by your boss. Number seven, do I have feelings of anxiety, insecurity, and self-doubt? Number eight, do I use fear to try to control others? For example, do you threaten to be disappointed in someone or be mad at someone if they don't do what you want them to do? Good question. Number nine, are you afraid of nothing in particular but everything in general? And number 10, is your purpose the pursuit of your own happiness and the fulfillment of your own potential, or is it compliance with the wants and expectation of others? 
Do you do things only because your family, maybe your parents or friends or society wants you to? Great questions. Number 11, is your basic concern with your own approval or with the approval of others? Will you sacrifice your own values to gain the approval of others? Number 12, do you rely on your own mind or on the minds of your parents or professors, leaders, or internet gurus? Do you avoid making important decisions by defaulting on the opinion of others that are more qualified, or do you express your opinion regardless of what others think? Number 13, are you defensive when someone points out a mistake you've made? And number 14, are you terrified of admitting to your mistakes? Let's now look at some of the differences between low self-esteem, confidence, and delusional overconfidence. Number one, low self-esteem. I don't deserve to be happy and I will never be happy. Confidence. I'm just as worthy of happiness as everyone else. Delusional and overconfident. No one should be happy unless I am. Number two, low self-esteem. I'm too stupid to do anything that will earn me a good living. Confidence, I have skills and talents that will allow me to make a great living. Delusional overconfidence, I can do anything better than anyone else. Number three, low self-esteem, I am unlovable. Confidence, I am deserving of the love of others. Delusional and overconfidence, everyone loves me and wants me. <laughs> Number four, low self-esteem, who am I to make decisions? Confidence. I trust myself to make good choices. Delusional overconfidence. Everyone should listen to me. I know everything. We know some people like that, right? Number five, low self-esteem. No one cares about what I need. I'm not entitled to anything. Confidence. I'm entitled to assert legitimate needs and wants. Delusional overconfidence. I'm entitled to $10 million for just being alive. Number six, Low self-esteem, I'm a nobody. Confidence, I deserve to be treated with respect. Delusional overconfidence, bow to me, you minions. Number seven, low self-esteem, why would anyone want to hire me? I'm useless. Confidence, I'm nervous about this job interview, but I know I'm capable, so I'll give it my best. Delusional overconfidence, I'm the best that ever existed. They're idiots if they don't hire me. Number eight, low self-esteem. I don't know anything. I'm never right. Confidence. I'm okay with being wrong about this. It has nothing to do with my worth. Delusional overconfidence. I'm never wrong. Number nine, low self-esteem. I'm a waste of a life just using up air. Confidence. I'm worthy of living a good life. Delusional overconfidence. I am God. Number 10, low self-esteem. I fail at life, and at being a human, I do nothing worth admiring. Confidence, I do things worth admiring, and I have admirable qualities. Delusional overconfidence, I'm so perfect, everyone should worship the ground that I walk on. Now that we understand the difference between low self-esteem, confidence, and being delusional, let's look at why confidence is so important. Here are 10 reasons why confidence leads to success. Number one, Confidence gives you the drive to start things. Confident people start things. They are not shy about starting a new ideas when others are still thinking about it. Number two, 
Confidence gives you the ability to stand up for yourself. Confidence allows you to stand up for yourself in a fair and consistent manner. Otherwise, you may find yourself unheard or unfairly treated. Number three, confidence gives you the ability to say no. Confident people have the ability to say no when appropriate. They do not take on unnecessary or inappropriate work or obligations. Number four, confidence gives you the ability to say yes. And at the same time, confident individuals say yes to opportunity. They do not miss new options because they are shy. They know they are worthy of all opportunities. Number five, confident helps you to overcome fear. Lack of confidence can lead to paralysis from fear. Fear of failure, fear of what others think, fear of the unknown. To succeed, you need the confidence to face and overcome your fears. Number six, confidence gives you the ability to believe in yourself. Self-confidence means believing in yourself, believing you can accomplish whatever you set out to do. Number seven, confidence gives you the courage to set the bar high. Confident individuals set the bar high and aim high. Lack of confidence leads to weak goals, setting the bar too low, thus getting mediocre results. Number eight, confidence motivates you to stretch your limits. Confidence lets you know your limits and test them. By stretching your limits, you increase them. Number nine, confidence prompts you to ask questions. Confidence allows you to ask questions even when others are silent. Confidence even lets you ask for the job or anything else that you desire. And number 10, confidence causes you to believe in winning. Confident people believe in success. And more importantly, they believe in their ability to succeed. Now that we know the importance of confidence, let me share with you a few ways that we can boost our confidence. Number one, Tap into the confidence that you were born with. See, when we came out of our mother's womb, we didn't come out insecure. We came out unaware of external judgment. Once we developed a sense of self-awareness, that's when we started forming doubts and insecurities about how other people view us. We learned to crave praise and avoid criticism. This caused us to come down on ourselves all the time. When we start to feel unsure of ourselves, we need to tap into that natural confidence that we are born with. Number two, know your strengths and weaknesses. List five things that you do well that you enjoy and five things you'd like to do well. Make an effort to do some of the things you do well and to work on the things that you need improvement on every single day. Number three, expect success. Just as we anticipate things to go wrong when we're stressed, we can anticipate success. When we do that, we increase our chances to attain success. The situation usually turns out exactly how we expect it to. So if you think that things are going to go bad, guess what? More than likely, they will go bad. When you anticipate success, when you know you're going to be successful, that's usually how things end up happening. Number four, trust your capabilities. Trust that you're good enough at the things that you're good at and in the areas that you need improvement, you will in time become good enough in those areas as well. Number five, embrace the unknown. Confidence doesn't mean that you will know exactly how everything will happen and how it will turn out. It means that whatever happens, you will come out on top. Regardless of whatever happens, whether you know it or not, you will come out on top. Number six, take risk. If you only do those things you've always done well, you won't feel confident. 
As you continue to do things outside of your comfort zone, your confidence will continue to grow. Number seven, start a small goal and achieve it. People often make the mistake of starting with a humongous goal, and when they don't accomplish it very fast, they give up and quit and in turn lose confidence. If you accomplish a small goal, it will give you the strength to continue on until you achieve the larger goals. Number eight, change a small habit. Don't start with a big one like losing 100 pounds in three weeks. Start with something like drinking 20 ounces of water every day or reading for 10 minutes every day. Once you create the new habit, you will begin to feel invincible. Number nine, focus on solutions. Now, if you're a complainer or you focus on problems, change your focus now. Look at whatever the problem may be and ask yourself, how can I solve the problem? Who else may have that same problem that your solution may be able to help as well? And number 10, empower yourself with knowledge. By becoming more knowledgeable, you'll be more confident. You will understand exactly what you need to do to get to where you need and to accomplish every goal that you may have. All right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. want to remind you, if you want to go back and re-listen to this show or any of the previous shows, you can go to www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com. Or look for me in the Apple iTunes podcast section under Power in a Half Hour. Now, share this with three friends. I know that we have three friends that may be lacking on the confidence side, right? Most of us are. So it's nothing bad with that, but we can always stand to build our confidence a little bit more. So make sure you share this with them. Tell them about the station that you're listening to this show on, or if they don't have access to that station, tell them they can go to my website, www.powerhh.com or in Apple iTunes, and they can find me there and listen to it. We want our friends to be as great as we are, right? Right. I know you said right. Okay. So the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, because one believes in oneself, One doesn't try to convince others because one is content with oneself. One doesn't need others' approval because one accepts oneself. The whole world accepts him or her, and that's Lao Tzu. That's the biggest thing. You don't need the approval of anybody else. You don't need anyone to accept you. You just need to accept yourself, all right? Thank you much, and until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Star. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour. And join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit